KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. This is KYW News Radio In Depth. I'm Matt Leon. We did a podcast several months ago talking about the minimum wage when there was a strong push to raise it at the federal level to $15 an hour as part of the American Rescue Plan. But that minimum wage proposal did not make it across the finish line. However, over the last few months, we've seen a lot of places go to $15 an hour and beyond because of the worker shortage we are seeing all over the country. So we thought this would be a good time for a follow-up conversation about the minimum wage. So we reconnected with our guest from that first podcast, Dr. Nancy Fox, Associate Professor of Economics at St. Joseph's University. Really interesting and thoughtful stuff. Give a listen. So the last time we talked minimum wage, it was right in the middle of that fierce fight to get federal legislation raising it to $15 an hour as part of the American Rescue Plan. As it turns out, that was removed from the plan and we didn't get the legislation. But what's interesting, even without a law, we have seen a lot of progress towards $15 an hour, haven't we? We certainly have. And that's a reflection, I think of the number of vacancies that need to be filled. It tells me that at some level, Matt, the market works. When there is excess demand for anything, the price goes up. It could be eggs, it could be shoes, it could be houses, as we've seen. It certainly works for workers. Firms can't hire at whatever the prevailing wage is. The single most effective way for a company to attract workers is to offer them more more wages. And we're seeing it all over the place. I was in Pittsburgh a couple of weeks ago. I can't remember which fast food restaurant it was, but it was fast fast food restaurant. And there was a big sign, big sign, right right next to whatever hamburgers they were selling. Outside said $1,000, $1,000 signing bonus and $15 an hour. Now, I don't know the specifics, I don't know if it had to be a full-time job or you had to stay there for six months. I don't know because I wasn't applying. But I can tell you that two years ago, I never saw anything like that. So I think it's it's the market works. The market works when there's excess demand. When you can't get what you want, you offer more. And to your point about the market, do you think seeing these wages rise kind of more organically through supply and demand Is it almost better for a society than having it imposed in a legislative way? The answer is yes and no, on the one hand and on the other hand. So on the one hand, yes, I think it's it's better as you use the term organically, which I I really do like, because I prefer, and I think most market economists would prefer, that the market works. And that's what we're supposed to see happening. And I think to your point, people would be more inclined to accept these higher wages, because if the firms are voluntarily offering to pay $15 an hour, then we infer that that is a good policy for the firm. Because one of the first things we teach in theory of the firm in an intro economics course is that firms maximize profit. So if they they undertake a policy, we assume that it's profit maximizing. And there are other studies, I mean, studies have shown there are other things. It's not just that you get more workers, you get more productive workers, you get happier workers, you get workers who stay longer, there's lower turnover, there are less training costs. There's lots of good things that go into paying workers more. So 
to that end, I think it's great when the market works. Well, I, but, but the opposite is what concerns me. The market also works when there are plenty of workers. And although we tend to see that, worker, uh, that wages kind of stay stable, they don't fall, there's nothing to preclude that if the economy goes in the other direction and there is lots of vacancies and lots of people looking for work, that these same firms that have raised wages will lower them. Now, we've not seen it historically, but we've never seen this historically either. So I do think we need a floor. I do think we need a floor to ensure the future, regardless of this, how the economy changes in the future. To the point of the worker shortage, that I think has accelerated this move to $15 an hour. And frankly, I think we're in a situation, like you said, we've never seen it before. I figured there was going to be a lot of weird ripple effects of the pandemic in ways that would been hard to kind of game plan out. And this is kind of one of them. I don't think a lot of us would have saw a situation where, you know, a year ago, we're all worried about mass layoffs and unemployment being up to 20%. And now all of a sudden, we find ourselves in this weird space. Prior to this, even after that legislation was taken out of the American Rescue Plan, I still feel like a lot of progress was made simply because the discussion was being had on multiple levels, on multiple fronts about the importance of raising this minimum wage. Do you feel like that there was progress, even though there wasn't legislation, just having the discussion and having people put the argument on the table? Because I think you saw a lot of companies kind of get ahead of it and say, this is the way the wind's blowing and we're going to do it now and we'll actually look proactive. So how big was just having the discussion on a national level? I agree with you, Matt. I think the discussion was huge, but I would take it a step further. I don't think it was only about wage because in the during the pandemic, we saw professionals lose their jobs. We saw people who always considered themselves financially secure all of a sudden without an income. And although they were not probably losing minimum, they weren't losing minimum wage jobs. They were in a financial situation that they probably never would have imagined could have happened to them. And I think it changed the way many of us looked at people who in earlier times were financially insecure for a variety of reasons, among them, among them, the amount, the, the level of their wages. And to just take it another step, if I may, I think it also raised questions of health care because remind ourselves. Every, not every time, but many times that a worker lost their job, they lost their health care, and that probably meant they lost their health care for them and their family, if in fact they were lucky enough to have health care, which many minimum wage jobs do not. We talked more about the importance of sick leave, which is not mandated in this country. We talked more about the importance of child care or parental leave or family leave, which is just at the barest minimum that it could possibly be in this country and for no pay. And so I think how other people experienced not having an income affected all aspects of society and how we treat workers and what we want our society to look like. 
So absolutely, I think it did. But I want to go back, if, if I may, I was thinking historically, I'm not an economic historian. Another time where we saw an acute labor shortage, it's funny, was during World War II. And we all know why, because the men were fighting. And most of the men were fighting, so they're hiring women and they're hiring men who couldn't go to war. But there was a, a wage price freeze. So we saw a similar situation in that there weren't enough workers to fill the jobs. A typical firm response would have been raise the wages, but the government outlawed that. That's when they started um, offering health care as a perk because they were permitted to offer that. Now, it's, it's a moot question now at some levels. My point being, seeing firms respond to a labor shortage and relying on the force of supply and demand, we have a long history of this. But just in World War II, they couldn't do it. One of the things I find fascinating is a lot of the people, politicians specifically, that aren't in favor of raising the minimum wage are a lot of you are politically conservative who also claim to be really worried about government spending. Wouldn't raising the minimum wage actually help at the federal level with the idea that you would have more people not need government assistance and therefore if your goal is smaller government one could help the other um now i'm coming at this with the assumption that these these ideas are put forth in good faith and not just to score political points but it would seem to me that if you raise the minimum wage more people can get by on their own am i crazy well, I don't know whether you're crazy or not, Matt, but you're certainly not crazy for saying what you said. That is a very strong and and not unusual argument that economists make. Because if you raise my wage, I'll have more income, I'll spend more, it'll stimulate the economy. It's one of the reasons we had those checks in all three care in all three um, COVID bills to stimulate the economy because we had a lot going on. But there are two counter arguments to what you said. The research in minimum wage is kind of mixed. But the consensus is that some people will lose their jobs and some people will be better off because they're going to be paid more. And the numbers, they're not consistent. It's hard to find a consensus about what these numbers will look like. The um, Congressional Budget Office, and I can't quote the figures off the top of my head, when the House proposed the raise the wage bill, as they are required to, projected the effect on, on the budget and on the economy. And they came out with exactly what I said. So many people lose their jobs and this many people have that much more income. So depending on where those numbers land, the people who either lose jobs or can't get jobs, because if you raise the wage, then economic theory tells me that firms will hire fewer workers, we might see higher unemployment. And that certainly was the story that was told for decades and decades and decades. So the theory is, is airtight, the empirical work doesn't support it. The other issue with respect to the federal budget is the federal government would have to pay minimum wage. And so they would see their labor bill go up significantly if if we raise the the federal minimum wage, although they can do it without raising the federal minimum wage. And and President Biden is looking into that. In fact, I heard an interview with the president or a news conference, something with him when they're talking about the, the fires out in the West because it's so hot. And he made a comment, I I couldn't find anything to substantiate it, but I assume it's true. He made the comment that he was shocked 
that federal firefighters earn $13 an hour. So this, this just baffles me. A person who's in charge of risking their life and saving somebody else's life in horribly hazardous, trying horrible conditions, apparently is getting paid less than the person at my local supermarket who puts the cans on the, on the shelf. And that's why I mean, there is no such thing as an intrinsic wage. Intrinsic wage, it doesn't, we don't have that, it's supply and demand. I would think there'd be an incredible shortage of people who want to be firefighters and they'd have to bid, bid, bid the wage up, but apparently I'm wrong. But I couldn't find anything that said federal firefighters are paid $13 an hour. I don't know how Biden learned it, but he said, I'm going to have to look into that. It's like, yeah. So all this being said, and I think you referenced this earlier, with all the progress, with the changes we're seeing, you still think we need legislation to, to set the bar. I do think we need legislation to set the bar. And we think, I think we let, need that legislation at the federal level. In the current political climate, it's, it, I can't imagine it's happening because it would have to pass by filibuster and they can't even get, the Democrats can't even get all of the Democratic senators on board. Now, one thing that I've read, and it, it's been in the literature for a while, Joe Manchin does not support $15 an hour minimum wage. But he is on record for saying that seven and a quarter is not enough. So politics is about compromise. And maybe, maybe the solution is to have something in between, 10 or $11. But I would argue against that for the following reason, is that any of these minimum wage increases, any laws that increase the minimum wage, either at the federal or the state or in the municipal level, they're never implemented overnight. It's usually over a couple of years uh, usually takes longer the, the more dramatic the wage increase is. If if the Senate, if, if Congress were to pass a higher minimum wage, say ten dollars and fifty cents an hour, it would probably go up, say a dollar a year for a couple of years, and then we're four years from now, and we've got ten dollars fifty cents an hour. So I, I don't support that compromise. And in fact, nine dollars and change and ten dollars and change was the most recent proposal to raise the minimum wage before this, which was during the Obama administration in his first term, and that didn't pass either. How is it that we've gotten this far in a society, and it, it just seems to me that years ago would have made a lot of sense to, and correct me if I'm wrong, isn't it the term indexing, like where the, the wage goes up a certain amount, or in, I don't know in if inflation. I'm Yeah, it just, it kind of would... Why wasn't something, I mean, it would seem to me that something like that is our answer. It should have been the answer 40 years ago so that we would be in a better place now. But, you know, instead of just shooting for, because you talk about it, like if it goes up to 1050, it would take a few years to get there. Just kind of make it a constant slide up to compete with cost of living, inflation, and just life in general. I, I don't have an answer as to why that didn't happen, but it is a piece of, of, the, of the current legislation. To, to tie it to inflation. I, I can't make an argument or I couldn't tell you why that's, that never happened in the past, but it hasn't. Uh, maybe they thought it was too risky. I, I don't know. As someone, and we were discussing this off the air, who, just, who studies, obviously, the market, economics, market forces, we're kind of going through, because a lot of people want to say that we don't have enough workers because people would rather collect unemployment, which is an incredibly lazy 
argument. But we're going through a kind of a great reimagining, I think, of a lot of people in our society of what we want to get out of our job. And I think uh, we're going to be feeling the ripple effects of this for a long time, because I think it goes beyond just I'm not making enough money. It's what the job's about, how I'm treated. And I think a lot of people the last years made them say enough. And uh, it's going to be very fascinating to see how this unwinds over the next few years. Well, I agree with you 100%. The one number that has intrigued me in regard to what you just raised is the quit rate. The quit rate is you just quit your job. You're not laid off. You quit for a variety of reasons. And in fact, during the pandemic, we saw a lot of women quit their jobs and quit their jobs and not look for other jobs, which we call they're not even in the labor force because their kids weren't in school and they had somebody to take care of the kids. That's probably still going on now. But the quit rate, and I don't know how it breaks down male, female, the quit rate, the most recent number I saw was 4 million people, 4 million Americans left their jobs in April, which is 24% uh, higher than it was pre-pandemic and the highest it's been in two decades. And I think this supports what you're saying is, I don't want to spend 40 hours a week doing this job. I was home. I had some opportunities. I'm going to look into something else. And as to your point about why there are so many unfilled jobs and some people are making the case, which I disagree with, but some people are making the case because it's actually a very logical argument to make that pay me, pay me a thousand dollars a week not to go to work or, or I go to work. Well, a rational person, one could argue would say, why should I go to work if I can earn a thousand dollars staying home? But to circle back, when you quit your job, you do not get unemployment. You do not get unemployment. And to come back to something you and I were discussing off air was why is it that an extra $300 a week from the federal government actually gives me more income than if I were working? As you said, and I agree 100%, are we possibly looking at this from the wrong perspective? Not how come we're giving this, this person uh, all this money to stay home? Why aren't we asking how come that additional money actually ends up so that person has more income than they did when they were working? Maybe the problem is we're not paying them enough. So all this being said, and we talk about the progress, but still the work to do. Are you confident that we're moving in the right direction to getting the minimum wage where it should be? You know, do you think we're making enough progress overall? Well, we haven't made much progress recently. I guess California would be the outlier. California joined about 29 states that have federal minimum, uh, have state minimum wages higher than the federal. There hasn't been mon- much movement except for that. I'm not confident, Matt. I- I'm not confident that we're going to see federal le- legislation. It's just politically impossible. And I also think that although I agree with you that working conditions and and income and benefits and what work means have are we're now seeing it in a different light because of what we all experienced in the last year in terms of politics and in terms of legislation it certainly and, and and president biden has an ambitious domestic agenda he certainly does But once they took that $15 out of the American Rescue Plan, which I actually think politically was a good idea, once they took it out, even though 
there's still a bill in the house to raise the wage to $15 an hour, it seems to have slipped down on the priorities for the Biden administration. And I don't say that in, in a um, critical way. I'm just observing what I'm seeing. He is now working on that infrastructure plan and seems to have made a compromise that maybe will get passed. And one of the outcomes, if that does get passed, is it's going to generate jobs. And that might indirectly affect the wage question because firms are going to have to hire people and we might see more and more firms raising the wages. One of the airlines, I can't remember which one, maybe Southwest, they're facing, the airlines are facing a horrible shortage. And that certainly would be considered a skilled job. I hope so. And they just raised, they just raised the lowest paid wage, I believe, to $16 an hour. So I'm not sanguine about the direct possibility of the, the possibility that soon we're going to see any movement at the federal level. I mean, as I said, it's been since 2007 since any law was passed. And we've had, we've had eight years of Republican administration during that time. But I think you might be right that the market is going to push us there. Now, I don't think that means we don't need legislation. I think it means that once we observe that firms are paying $15 an hour and profits are strong and, and sales are strong and there is less turnover and happier and more productive employees, that we're going to re recognize that this is a good thing. And we want to make it so for everybody. And then perhaps we will move in that direction. That's it for this episode of KYW News Radio in depth. You can listen to the podcast free anytime on the Odyssey app, and you can find it wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Matt Leon, and we'll have another episode out soon.